So, Brother Mark, take it away, brother. Thank you. Thank you, Franco. What a beautiful song. How perfect for this sharing. So I heard about, probably about 15 years ago, the written word makes known the living word, and the living word makes known God. And that was a little difficult for me to understand at first, because the tradition I was coming out of, it was all about the written word, the word, the word, the word, the word. And it was the written word that made known God. And I was like, why do I, why do I need to, why do I need to have this intermediary between the two? We were so focused on who Jesus Christ wasn't that we were completely oblivious to who Jesus Christ is in this day and time right now. You know, and this whole thing about Jesus Christ not being God, academic understanding of that led to some some very superior attitudes and some isolationism amongst uh, believers, uh, the people that I hung out with. In fact, they, they looked down on folks who had a, quote, personal, close personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We poo-pooed that. <clears throat> and I, I would meet people that knew far less of the word than I do, who were doing so much more with what little they knew and had a relationship with Jesus that was so tight and close and personal that they walked with him hand in hand. And I didn't understand why I didn't have that. You see, if all you have is a knowledge of the word, an academic knowledge of the Bible, you can completely miss the heart of God. If it's just an academic pursuit for you, then you're like every other academic out there. And I, I don't know, I work with doctors, medical doctors all the time, and you have never met such a bunch of arrogant, self-centered, selfish people. Human beings become to them just a lab for them to experiment. Now, there are a lot of very good doctors out there, let me preface that, but generally speaking, your doctor is a scientist, your basic doctor is a scientist and an atheist at that. It's just academics to them. Theologically vital that we know Jesus Christ, because he is the head of the church. He is the giver of Holy Spirit in this day and time. He is the one who has authority over all powers and principalities. He's the creator of this very age that we live in. Go to Acts chapter 2. It's Jesus who gives the Spirit, Jesus who is at the right hand of God. Acts 2, start with verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound came from heaven like a strong rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared on appeared to them tongues as if of fire, which spreading out came to rest upon each one of them. And they were all filled with Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And what a great and awesome privilege we have to understand these verses and know that they did the speaking as the Spirit gave utterance and that we can speak as the spirit gave utterance and speak in tongues in this day and time at any time isn't that awesome to know my lovely wife and i watched like an hour-long video documentary yesterday on the azusa street revival that occurred in 1906 in los angeles can you imagine a christian revival in los angeles yes it actually happened and um these guys saw speaking in tongues they spoke in tongues, and there was this amazing outpouring. But it took them years of prayer to get to the point where somebody finally started speaking in tongues. We are blessed 
to have this wonderful knowledge. But what does First Corinthians say about speaking in tongues? If you speak with the tongues of men and angels and do not have love, you are as a sounding brass or a tinkling symbol. Means nothing without love. Verse 5, there was a response to this speaking in tongues. Now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, deeply religious men from every nation under heaven. And when this, this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were be- bewildered because each one was hearing them speaking in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying, look, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we are hearing them speaking each of us in our own language in which we were born. And then it lists all these places where these guys are from. Look at verse 11, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them speaking in our tongues the mighty works of God. When you speak in tongues, you're speaking the mighty works of God, folks. And if that doesn't blow your socks off, well, you need to go check your heart out. And they were all amazed and were perplexed, saying one to another, what does this mean? That's an excellent question. That's an excellent question. And that should be the response of everybody who sees a work of God in their life or has questions about God in their life or sees something in the word in their life. What does this mean? Question, answers. Questions lead to answers, right? Seek and ye shall find. But others mocking, as always these guys said, they were they are filled with sweet new wine. They're drunk. Okay, those guys are going to be around. What do you do? Do you go back into your hole and, and don't say anything? No, you be like Peter here. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and spoke to them, saying, Fellow Jews and all you who are residing in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and pay close attention to my words. This is the first sermon that is about to be preached after the outpouring of Holy Spirit unconditionally. The first sermon of the age of grace. But these are not drunk, as you suppose, idiots, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken through the prophet Joel. And it will be in the last days, says God. I will pour out my por- a portion of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. And even on my male servants and on my female servants, I will pour out my spirit in these days. And they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth beneath blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood for the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. And it will be that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This spirit that was poured out on the day of uh, day of Pentecost is the same spirit that will be poured out on the resurrected Old Testament believers. And we have it right now. I mean, that's awesome. That's amazing. No wonder it says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels, a pot of gold in a clay jar. Verse 22, you men of Israel, listen to my words, these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man pointed out to you by God, by mighty works and wonders and signs, which God did through him in the midst of you, just as you yourself know, this man delivered up by the decreed plan and foreknowledge of God, you by lawless hands crucified and killed. But God raised him up, having freed him from the agony of death, because it was not possible for him 
to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, so that I would not be moved. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, because you will not abandon my soul to the grave, nor will you allow your devout one to see corruption. You made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Men and brothers, verse 29, I can speak to you with confidence about the patriarch David that both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Can't resist. You saw his tomb on the tour, right? Since he was a prophet, knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body he would seat one of his descendants on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his flesh see corruption. God has raised this Jesus. We are all witnesses of this. Then, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The two requirements for the new birth are what? Confess with your mouth, Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And Peter has covered this in this sermon right here. Jesus is the Lord, and God raised him from the dead. And those that heard these words and believed them, born again, right there and then. Look at that. And in fact, if you want to get people born again, you got to get out there and preach Jesus is Lord and him raised from the dead. The resurrection, the resurrection, always the resurrection. You'll see that throughout the New Testament scriptures. Therefore, verse 36, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. That's good. That's good. Got through to all the erroneous stuff right to their hearts and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what should we do? Two great questions asked here. What meaneth this and what should we do? We we just we just love it when we run into people that ask these questions. It just thrills our heart to be able to share the word with those that are hunger and thirst after righteousness, doesn't it? Peter said to them, repent, change your mind about this Jesus fella, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So here we sit in the United States of America. I'm in Florida. Franco's in Utah. Gavin's up in Minnesota, the uttermost parts of the earth, all called, all called by these wonderful words and by this great, amazing gift of Holy Spirit. Here we are, called to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Go over to Colossians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ who are at Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. Verse 3. We always give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. For we heard of your trust in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the holy ones. Because of the hope 
that is being stored up for you in heaven, which you have already heard about in the message of truth. That is the good news that has come to you. The good news that has come to you. These guys trusted in that good news that they heard. There's a lot of good news in the Bible, but the good news of this day and time, the gospel of this day and time, is Jesus Christ, Lord and resurrected, and our new birth in him. Think about the age that we live in in this this day and time, that at a moment, an, an instant of belief, an instant of trust, a decision, how quick is a decision? A decision where you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and yes, I believe God raised him from the dead. You are sealed with Holy Spirit. You know, when David sinned against uh, God and had Bathsheba's husband murdered, basically, in battle, cried out to God repentance and said, do not take your spirit from me. A man like David, who the word said was always after the heart of God, he knew that it was possible for him to lose that Holy Spirit that was anointed on him. We do not have to have that fear because we are sons of God. Franco was was admiring his baby, little Gianni, and we pray and believe that he will he will grow up to honor his mother and father and, and to honor God. But what if what if what if he doesn't? What if he disowns his father, disowns his legacy? It ain't gonna happen, I know. I'm just it's, a, it's an example. It's it, would that make him any less Franco's son? The relationship would suffer, right? But the status of son, he will always, because, you know, you do a blood test, man. You take Franco's blood and you take Gianni's blood and you check the DNA and guess what? Son. He's a, and no matter what he does, I'm sure Mr. and Mrs. Hitler were not proud of their son, but if you do the test, he's still their son, right? And this is the issue right now. We are sons of God. But will we walk in our sonship? Will we walk in that? And the way we walk in that is not by some program, not by some bunch of classes or seminary. The way we walk in our sonship is to walk with the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, to follow his example and to walk with him. And this is like the the, the main chewy caramel center that I want to get to, that for years we have been, I, let me personalize this, I have been focused on the program, the academics, going from the written word straight to God, and it being an academic pursuit, and missing the experiential relationship that is available with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think as a, as a, as a, as a whole, uh, academic Christianity is missing this. They're missing it. So busy knowing who Jesus Christ isn't that they've completely forgotten who he actually is. Notice here in these verses, it says that you heard of the trust, verse 4, in Christ Jesus and the love that they have heard of the, of the trust and the love in Christ Jesus. Verse 5 says, because, because of the hope that is being stored up for you in heaven, which you have already heard about in the truth, in the message of truth, that is the good news. The trust and the love is because of the hope. It's because of what Jesus has already accomplished. You know, there's the hope. I have nothing to do with the hope other than to hope for it. I'm not the one that's going to send Jesus Christ back. I'm not the one that's going to raise the dead. I'm not the one that's going to give you an incorruptible body. This is the hope that Jesus is going to do. It's all Jesus, Jesus. It's an accomplished reality that's going to come to pass. And because of that, because of what Jesus has already done, we can walk in trust and in love. It says, 
as uh, just as it is bearing the message, the good news, bearing fruit and growing in the whole world, so it is also doing that among you from the day you heard it and understood the grace of God for what it truly is. The written word is powerful. It's powerful because it makes known the living word. But we need to be very, very careful that we don't become academic about it. It's an actual life pursuit, an experiential pursuit. We want to live the word. Don't tell me you're walking by the Spirit if your works are evil. Don't tell me that you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ if there's rotten fruit in your life. Verse 7 says, You learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also told us about your love in the Spirit. Spiritual love. Verse 9, Because of this, from the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking for you to be filled with the knowledge of his will, along with all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. This is a prayer. Prayer is so important. Growth God, uh, growth with God and with the Lord Jesus Christ. Prayer is not just one way. It's a two-way communication. If you talk to the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus will talk with you. Notice also that prayer is like set first here. Not teachings, not classes, not programs, but prayer. Are we praying for each other? Are we praying for our country? Are we praying for our communities? And what kind of prayers are we praying? Are we praying for a new car or, you know, the nice spring outfit we saw? Or are we praying this prayer? Listen to this prayer again. Because of this, from the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking for you to be filled with the knowledge of his will, along with all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that, I just want to say that the whole purpose of education is action, right? You get knowledge, spiritual knowledge and understanding so that you do something with it. Not just some academic, you're a brainiac when it comes, you can quote chapter and verse, so that you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Man, I want to walk worthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing to him. Yes, please. Please make me pleasing. Bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being empowered with all power by means of his glorious might, so that you will have all endurance and patience, giving thanks with joy to the Father who has qualified you. You're qualified, past tense, qualified to share in the inheritance of the Holy Ones in the kingdom of light. Wow. That's a prayer. That should blow your socks off right there. Got to up the prayer game here, folks. Talking to me. I don't know about you. I'm sure your prayer life's dynamite. Just a quick note about inheritance. Inheritance. You have to watch when you're reading in the Word about whether we're talking about your sonship, your uh, familial relationship, or your familial status, right? What's an inheritance? What happens in an inheritance, right? We, we're talking about Gianni, and if he walks, when he walks with his father, uh, within his father's will, uh, he'll be in his father's will, <laughs> right? He'll he'll get an inheritance. I have a dad. I'm on good, good terms with my dad. My dad's, you know, he, he's going to leave me an inheritance uh, because we're in good standing. Same here. You can never lose your sonship. But if you walk contrary to the will of God, there are certain beneficial inheritance 
that you may lose out on. Uh, and, you know, this is another great motivation. So think about this. Think about the grace of God, the grace of our Lord. Not only do you have eternal life and the promise of a new body and paradise, but there's also an inheritance to come, rewards for doing these acts of love, spiritual power. There's rewards for that, for faithfully praying, for speaking the word, for serving your brothers and sisters. I, I, that's that's amazing to me. We get rewards for this? All right. So just be careful when you read the Word because there's a lot of people out there that are going to teach you that you can lose your Holy Spirit. You cannot lose seed. It's seed. You can't lose it. You're always your father's son, no matter how embarrassing you might be to your father. Verse 13, we're qualified in, in 14. Uh, verse 13, he rescued us from the authority of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. He, the son, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. We're talking about this day and time, this age, this creation. A new thing was created. There's a new creation in you. The church now is a new creation. We're not talking about Genesis 1-1 creation. We're talking about Acts chapter 2-1 creation. The new church. He's the firstborn of all creation, right? The first fruits up from the dead. Jesus Christ is the first resurrected man given the new body. Verse 16, because in connection with him, all things were created in heaven and on earth. There's a new order, folks. There's a new sheriff in town. Visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things are held together. Very fabric of this new walk, this new life, this new church that we're in is Jesus Christ. How vital then is it that we know him, that we walk in relationship with him, we experience him, and he, Christ, is the head of the body. It's only one Lord, one head. His name is Jesus Christ. Not me, not Franco, not the Pope, Jesus. He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that he would come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. He's the image of God. The fullness of God dwelt in him. When you see God, uh, Jesus' life, you see the fullness of God's will played out in the lives of men and women that Jesus came in contact with. He healed the sick. He made the blind to see, the lame to walk. He raised the very dead. This is God's will. This is the fullness of God and so much more and so much more. This this teaching is like an iceberg. You only see the third. The majority of it is under the water for you to go and discover because the church epistles, when you change your mind, if it needed changing, and you, you see the church epistles as a description of relationship, not an academic pursuit. You get to the real depth of what God wants for our lives, a relationship with his son and through his son, a relationship with him. For in him, all the fullness of God w was pleased to dwell and through him, God was pleased to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross whether things on earth or things in heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, these are all accomplished realities. You don't have to go make peace with God. You don't have to get your life in order now to have peace with God. Jesus has already done that. 
And you were once alienated from God and enemies in your minds as shown by your evil works. You once were, but now by his body of flesh, he has reconciled you. A reconciliation is a bringing back together, right? You hear about couples getting reconciled. Bringing back together. He has reconciled you through his death to present you holy and without blemish and blameless in his presence. If indeed you continue in the good works. No, doesn't say in the good works. Good works are a result of the faith. If you continue in the faith, if you continue in trust, translate that word faith, trust. Now, it's not some nebulous belief in something that is you can't understand or, 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 or explain. It's just basic, simple trust. And with relationship comes trust. Some of you I know, some of you I don't know so well. I know Franco really well. And when Franco told me he was going to be in Florida next last weekend, I made certain arrangements because I knew the man was good to his word based on the relationship that I have with him. I trust Franco, right? Well, if you want to trust Jesus, you need to have relationship with him. And the deeper your relationship with him, the deeper the trust is. And it's a great, it's one of these virtuous cycles. You trust and your relationship grows deeper, which leads to deeper trust, which leads to a deeper relationship, and on and on and on and on it goes. It's beautiful. Verse 23 again. Uh, if indeed you continue in the faith, established and steadfast, and not shifting away from the hope of the good news that you heard, which was preached to all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. We begin with trust, and we carry through with trust. Works are a result of trust. Leave something to be true, you will act upon it. We continue in trust. We don't continue with some kind of program or some kind of search for the big best name badge or diploma. Education, don't get me wrong, education is important and it's important that you study the word. It's important that you expose, get exposed to the, to the great greatness of the scriptures, but not for an academic pursuit, but for a relationship pursuit to become closer and closer to your Lord Jesus Christ. Go to Galatians and here. There's a lot more that I could I could share. This is a huge subject. I, I noticed that this shift in thinking has opened a lot of the word up for me. I used to get so um, frustrated because I, I would read the Bible and say, walk in the Spirit. And I'd be like, well, how? How do I walk in the Spirit? What does that mean? Walking is like there's no, there's no step by step, you know, step one, step two, step how. It just says walk in the Spirit. How? By trust, by faith, walk in the Spirit. <clears throat> it's God in Christ in you. Believe it. Live it. Do what the Word says. Do it. There are testimony upon testimony upon testimony from uh, men and women who have been delivered from things that, I mean, how how do you explain a man who is a raging alcoholic being delivered from his alcoholism? How how do you how do you explain a man who you know a woman who is blind who suddenly can see? How do you explain that? It's the power of the Spirit. It's the empowering of that power of God in Christ in you. Faith, trust is how you explain that. But you know, don't don't tell me that you can measure you know spiritual power. You can somehow quantify it. Don't sit trying to understand. Uh, all of the how God power works in your life before you are willing to go out and step out into that power by fight faith. 
It's, it's beyond your five senses. It's God in Christ in you. How do you quantify that? You just have to trust what the word says and, and get walking, get walking. First, uh, Galatians chapter three, verse one says, Oh, senseless Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law, by works of anything? or by trusting what you heard. Are you so senseless, having begun in the Spirit, are you now trying to be completed in the flesh? I freely confess that for many years, I have tried to complete this in the flesh. Now, I live a pretty disciplined life. I'm, I'm you know, humbly submit to you. <clears throat> I read my Bible every day. But there are areas of improvement that I need. I know that. And I'm sure there are areas in my heart that need to be dealt with. I mean, you know, you go along in life and everything's peachy and then all of a sudden you get blindsided by something. How do you respond to that? Do you, do you respond by, you know, going into the Word and, and trying to find some kind of academic answer? I mean, the Word the word is the source of all things pertaining to life and godliness. I understand that. But, you know, if it's just an academic pursuit, you kind of got things backwards. The first thing is trust in Jesus, a relationship with Jesus. And the response that we have to the issues of life should be going and turning to Jesus, our Lord Jesus, in prayer, cry of help, a cry of, Lord, help me deal with this. The Azusa uh, Street Revival, which uh, uh, happened in 1906, was an outpouring that led to they estimate 600 million people hearing the word of God. The Azusa Street Revival led to the entire Pentecostal movement that we have today. But it didn't happen in a vacuum. It didn't just happen. These men and women, they knew a lot of the word. They studied the word. But they spent hours and hours in prayer. There was a, a preacher in Los Angeles for decades that walked the streets, walked the streets preaching a revival that was yet to come, praying for a revival. The leader of the Azusa Street revival prayed seven hours a day before it happened. Relationship, not academic pursuit, but a a pursuit in the relationship, a deepening of the trust that we have for our Lord Jesus Christ and for our Heavenly Father. This, This brings change. This brings the great revival that we are looking for in our personal lives and in the lives of our community and in our country. So that's what I wanted to share today. The written word builds the living word, our Lord Jesus Christ, and the living word builds our Heavenly Father relationship. So let's just have a word of prayer here. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus Christ for the outpouring of Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and for the outpouring of Holy Spirit upon every man, woman, and child that ever confesses with his mouth, Lord Jesus, and believes in his heart that God raised him from the dead. This Spirit is upon us and it is for us and in us forever. It's the same Spirit that we will carry in our new bodies. And we have it now in this these earthen vessels what a what an awe-inspiring thought. We ask, Father, and our Lord Jesus, help us to manifest that spirit in love and in power so that we see signs, miracles, and wonders in our own lives, that the changing of our hearts and the 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 power of, of God and the light in our lives just sheds abroad through our families and our communities and our workplaces that we see the blind 
see and we hear of the, the deaf hearing and we walk with the lame who are now healed and walking. We, we thank you, Lord Jesus. We know that you are the same yesterday, today and forever. And the same Lord Jesus that healed on the day of Pentecost and at the Azusa Street Revival and wherever we hear of these great testimonies of your healing, you're the same Lord Jesus that we have relationship with now. And the works that you did, we can do and greater works than these. So we, we ask you, Lord Jesus, help us, help us to become more and more like you, to trust you, to believe you, to live for you and just open the windows of heaven and pour out revival and blessing and outreach like we just could not imagine. And may our prayers continue faithfully. May we continue to walk with you hand in hand and just grow in this relationship. We we lift you, Carolyn. We thank you for her journey to Israel and for safety and energy and great health and strength. Watch over her, Lord. And uh, we just look forward to hearing the wonderful report that she has when she comes back. We're so excited for her. Thank you for this, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the walk that we have with you. We praise you. You are our best friend, our big brother. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ.